Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about escape. There's lots of times that we we don't want to face what's going on in our lives and we use various things to escape. You know, I used drugs and alcohol for many years, relationships, sex, pornography, food, because I didn't want to face what was going on. You know, and as I try to escape, I find myself building more and more craziness in my life. I I find that more pain begins to come in my direction. You know, that for a long time, I ran from anything. You know, I procrastinated, created chaotic situations, then it would have the repercussions of those situations and get angry and not want to face it and you know, and, and find ways to, to escape or to run away, you know, and eventually, you know, I think the Lord lets us run around and and do those things, you know, in our youth, why we still have a, a lot of energy, but eventually, you know, we get tired, you know, there's so much pain and it's hard to carry it the way we once did. And, I've learned that no matter where I go, I take myself with me. You know, I've tried the geographical change a couple of times, and eventually, you know, Tom shows up and destroys everything again. You know, and, you know, I hope to recreate my life, and then with all my character defects and and poor coping mechanisms, I find that I'm destroying and and sabotaging and, and... blaming and and all the same things that I've always done because I don't want to come to the conclusion that I'm a big part of my own problem. You know, and the only way that the pain really goes away is is that we have to face it. You know, I've tried to go around it. I tried to run from it. I tried to not acknowledge it. I've tried to deny it. I've tried to minimize it. But the only thing that has ever made the pain go away is really facing that pain, surrendering that pain to Jesus, repenting of my side of the pain, forgiving other people of their side of the pain, and saying, God, will you please use this? Use my pain. You know, and, you know, there's many times that we ask why. Why did I have to go through this? Why did I have to grow up this way? Why did I have to grow up poor? Why didn't I have my dad in my life? Why didn't I have my mom in my life? You know, why did I have to grow up here? Why did that have to happen? Why did I have to change schools? You know, why doesn't this person love me? Why can't I make friends? Why can't I make money? Why, why, why? Lots of whys. And none of those whys really get answered. But I found that when I surrendered my life to Christ and I began to face my pain, he began to give me opportunities to share my testimony with other people that needed to hear what I've been through. And then I learned that my whys were being answered on the other side of the cross. You know, and a lot of times we try to we figure it out. You know, I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm going to rationalize it. I'm going to reason with it. There's got to be a logical reason. This isn't logical. That There's got to be some sort of logical, you know, and we spend a lot of times in our minds just going around in circles trying to figure it out. And it's not fair, you know, and 
you know, if you've been around me for long enough, you, you've learned that I, I tell you that there's a fair in Syracuse and you can go there anytime that you want next summer. But apparently this year we're not going to have a fair, so you're bumming until next year. So you're not getting any fair this year at all. You know what I mean? So it's even worse this year than last year or next year that this is a horrible year, nothing's fair. You know, there is no fair. You know, and it's, it's, it's coming to the understanding that each one of us has a difficult life. And that's about as fair as it's going to get. You know, each one of us has our own trouble. Each one of us has our own difficulties. Is it different than somebody else's? Sure. Do I think mine are worse than theirs? Absolutely. They're mine. So I, I always think that it's not fair. But you know, what I've learned is that no matter what people are going through or what it looks like they're going through, no matter how they carry themselves, no matter if they have a, a smile on their face or a frown on their face, no matter if they're looking like they're succeeding in life or they look like they're defeated in life, everyone's got problems. Everybody's got secret stuff going on behind the scenes. Everybody's got troubles at home. Everybody's got some sort of finances that they're struggling or stressing about. Everybody's got family members or friends that are going through something and, and you're worrying about that. And the more that we try to, to come to the conclusion that I have the worst life out of everybody on the planet, that I fail to realize what Jesus went through for each and every one of us. You know, and he chose that. You know, he chose to be, you know, mocked and ridiculed and abandoned and beaten and spit on and whipped. A crown of thorns smashed on his head and eventually crucified. You know, when I, when I think about fair, <laughs> I don't know how you get past that one as a Christian because that's not fair. You know, and if God would allow his own son to do that for a purpose, there was a purpose connected to it. It wasn't, it wasn't without meaning that there must be something going on behind the scenes that I may not understand with the difficulties I'm going through. You know, if God can use something so horrible and, and tragic, you know, if he can use the crucifixion to bring around salvation, you know, I honestly, you know, the enemy is, you know, thinks he's smart, but he always gets himself in trouble and God always spins things around on him. If the enemy knew, he would have left Jesus alone. But yet the enemy, you know, pumped up the crowd and the enemies, you know, getting the Roman soldiers and getting the, the Jews to crucify him, crucify him. The enemy's behind the scenes whispering in everybody's ear, thinking that death was going to be the end of Jesus. And it was just the beginning. So how much is the enemy whispering in our ear? about certain things that we're going through or certain things that we've had to face. You know, and if we would surrender that thing to Jesus, what could he do? You know, and there's, there's always complaining, right? You know, many of you have heard part of my story, and, you know, I was really good at complaining about things and not really doing anything about it. You know, and a woman in an AA meeting you know, confronted me one day, and it's like, you're not trying to do anything. All you do is complain. The least you can do is pray about it, you know. And, you know, being an atheist, that, you know, that aggravated me, and that yeah, pissed me off. You know, who do you think you are, you know? And 
but yeah, I was so quick to tell people about my opinion about God and, and supernatural things. I thought they were all stupid, but it was true. I complained a lot, but I didn't put a lot of work into it, you know, and eventually I started praying about things instead of complaining about them. Because I would begin to hear this little voice in my head and say, well, why don't you pray about it? You know, and there's different teachings that I've picked up through the years. And the one that has stuck with me the most is that dead men don't complain. And if I'm to die to myself every day and follow Jesus, how can I continue to complain if I'm, I'm dead for him? You know, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge to each and every one of us. You know, the, the more I complain, the, the more I'm alive for myself and not for him. So the less of me and the more of you, right, God? You know, many of us have prayed that type of a prayer. But yet when it comes down to, you know, like Pastor Mike was saying last weekend, that cruciform, you know, he's using our situations to bring us more into the image of, of Christ. You know, we complain. We, you know, we wiggle. You know, like God's got his thumb on us and he's trying to press out the anointing. And we're like, come on, this is not comfortable. And we're trying to wiggle away from him and trying to run away from the, the circumstances that are trying to produce character in us. You know, because I'm always trying to escape. You know, I've had a, a really horrific, painful past. You know, abandonment and insecurity and rejection and, and abuse and, you know, been deceived and been lied to, been cheated on, you know. So therefore, my future is just filled with wonderful things. No, my mind projects my past upon my future. And I think that my life is always going to be this horrible thing. You know, and a lot of times I, I manifest those things. You know, if I live in fear, I'm always having things to be afraid of. If I'm always bitter, I'm always finding things to be bitter. If I'm complaining or if I have a perfectionist, you know, mindset, I'm always finding and criticizing everyone around me. You know, it just reproduces itself. But when I surrender these things to, to the Lord, then he begins to show me grace, mercy, love, peace, and areas. Or I get to be the representation of those things. You know, that each one of us carries an anointing that we should be able to change the atmosphere of a room. You know, we should be able to walk into places and silently pray and things begin to shift. You know, why? Because he's with us. The same power that rose Christ from the grave dwells within us. But if I'm as miserable as an unbeliever and I walk into a room and I'm like, ah, you know, and I'm letting that spirit that's on them influence me rather than the spirit that's in me influence them. I'm just going to be guided by my flesh or someone else's flesh or the situation that's around me. And things are always going to be crazy and I'm always going to be afraid of the future. And I'm always going to think that today sucks and my past is horrible and everything's not fair and it's just miserable. And I'm just going to have to live this way forever. Or I realize that there's no one that's going to change my life but me. You know, and I have a hard time doing that on my own and I need help from my friends and I need help from accountability and I need a whole lot of Jesus. And I need sweet ringtones. We gotta learn to, to fight and go forward. 
right? You know that, and I know that it's not his, but I, you know when he said it, it stuck in my head. You know, and it, it was a Will Smith statement, and he probably stole it from somebody, and I don't know where it originated, but you know, it's not your fault what you went went through, but it is your responsibility to overcome it. You know that. Each one of us has circumstances of stuff that's happened to us. There's even mistakes that we've made that screwed up our own life. And we can't change that. And I can sit in that place and be miserable as long as I want. Or I can take responsibility and say, hey, Jesus, something's got to give. Something's got to change. You know, and, and I can pray a lot for all of you to change to make my life better. But I have found the prayers that seem to be answered a lot quicker is when I'm asking Jesus to help change me. And all of a sudden, you guys get better all all by your lonesome. Because I'm getting better. I'm getting healthier. I'm finding peace. I'm finding, you know, a path through this craziness. You know, that Jesus has taken my hand and he's guiding me. That something from yesterday to today may nothing has changed. But if my attitude has changed, everything's changed. You know, and it's so important that we decide that we're going to continue to go forward. And many of us have been stuck in places for a long time. You know, I know for me, you know, I got molested when I was six and I was probably 25 years old before I ever started to deal with that. You know, and I dealt with it with psychology to the best of my ability and it wasn't my fault and the guy was you know something's wrong with a guy and I was able to kind of process it to the best of my ability but I never had true forgiveness until I got to Jesus you know and there's abandonment of my father and neglect from my mother and there's all these different things in my childhood you know insecurity and abandonment and rejection you know and all this stuff is perpetuating and it's coming out in all these different ways that, you know, my 20s were is a miracle that I stayed alive. You know, I was doing everything to, to kill the pain and I almost died in the process. You know, I nearly drank and, and used drugs to, to my own demise. You know, I was so reckless, you know, that I just didn't care. You know, and... What I've come to learn that, you know, recovery is this process. You know, each one of us is recovering. What are we recovering from? You know, I didn't have a drug and alcohol problem, Tom. You're right. You didn't, but you had a sin problem. You know, you're recovering from sin. Whether it was your sin or someone else's sin, there's been a wound. There's been something that's taken place in your life that you've been affected. And you're learning how to grab Jesus' hand and, and overcome and to recover from that said thing, and that you have a testimony of how Jesus walked you through it, where your own best efforts to make that go away turned into even more chaos and more pain. I literally do not have one story where Tom had a bright idea and he fixed something. Every story is that I completely destroy everything I touch, and Jesus somehow worked a miracle with me. You know, and... I still don't know how I got where I am today other than Jesus decided that he was going to do some cool stuff with me because I'm a crackhead who goes in and out of jail. 
and now I'm a pastor and an executive director to a non-for-profit. That makes absolutely no sense. If he can do that with me, he can do just about anything with any of us. But we have to surrender and do things his way. You know, what I've come to learn, you know, in the beginning years of trying to recover from drugs and alcohol, I was trying to find the easiest, softest way to do it. I was trying to find the the path of least resistance. I was trying to find the, the path where I had absolutely no work and somehow I was going to pop out the other side of this normal. Yeah, that's not a thing. I'm never going to be normal ever in a day in my life. If you spend any amount of time around me, you question some of the things that come out of my faith. You know, and you're like, did he really just do that? Like, my brain doesn't fire on all cylinders. However, a couple of them got together and decided to, to get going, and, you know, we have some momentum now, and we just kind of cheer those couple cylinders along as the rest of them are still trying to do their own thing. You know, but what I've come to learn as I began this life with Christ is that there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on inside of me that I never realized before I illuminated it with Christ. I didn't realize that this is connected to that. And the reason why I've been doing this my whole life is because I have a wound in this area. I didn't realize that this insecurity is hooked to this event and this event and this event. I didn't realize that this pride event is hooked to this event. You know, And it's become this journey of self-discovery. But until I humble myself before Jesus and really say, I don't know what I'm doing, I need help, that I can't really go on this this path because what I've come to learn is I can't fill a full cup. And as a young man, I thought I was brilliant. But I was definitely mentally challenged, you know, and, and most of my cylinders were inebriated on many levels, and I wasn't making very wise decisions in my late teenage years and, and early 20s, and it showed because I kept finding myself in, in beautiful little bracelets and orange jumpers being um, a resident of the county. You know, but what I've come to learn is that I am the only one that can change my life. And I have to give that stuff that is killing me to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to handle this anymore. You have to take this away. You have to heal it. You have to give me direction. You have to teach me. What am I supposed to be learning? You know, there's many different prayers that I've prayed along the way. You know, and many of you have heard that the I trust you Jesus prayer. You know, and I say it again and again. Many times as I'm trying to pray I trust you Jesus, there's tears rolling down my cheeks because everything inside of me wants to escape, wants to run away, doesn't want to face, doesn't want to handle, doesn't want to deal. I just want it all to go poof and it's gone. I just want to pray it suddenly in Jesus' name and all of a sudden everything disappears and it's exactly how I want it to be. And that's just not realistic. But what I've come to learn is that Jesus guarantees that he's going to be with us. Now, if we press into him and we learn his word and we're spending time building a relationship and we're spending time worshiping him, It's almost that he gives us this guarantee that we're not going to fail. Now, it may not turn out how we want it to. 
However, it's going to turn out exactly how he wanted it to. And a lot of times where we struggle in this process is that we're still trying to get him to give it to us the way we want it. And there's a fight in this process. Because Jesus is trying to lead us on his path, and we can't see what's on that path, and we don't know where that path's going, and we don't know how that's going to turn out. But the more we resist his path, we create new chaos in the midst of it is because we're fighting Jesus as we're trying to get him to get us on this other path that we think is the best alternative for our lives. Because I'm a genius. But what I've learned is the more I do it his way, there's almost, you know, we call them promises. It's almost a guarantee that he will not lose. He will not fail us. It may not turn out how we think it's going to turn out. You know, lately I'm thinking I should start playing the lottery because I'm such a good son of his that he should allow me to win that. And then the other half of my brain is like, that's not going to happen. But if I won the lottery, then I wouldn't have to wait for other people and I could just buy some property and I could get out of debt and I could have a new truck. For my dog to bark out the window. It's not all about me, Jesus. And we, I try to play this game in my head where I try to manipulate the scenario and Jesus is like, yeah, no. Don't we do that? Or am I the only one? I try to manipulate my prayers and try to tell Jesus how this would work out really well for other people if he would give me what I want. Because after all, I can't be selfish. But I've come to learn that he blocks us sometimes. You know, and when he blocks us, he has a different plan. You know, there's I've been in a season of waiting for a long time. And, you know, I, I've learned that he's strengthening areas of my character that I didn't realize that needed to be strengthened. He's changed me in ways in the past 10 years that I, I never would have really purposely tried to do because who wants to wait for stuff? You know, who wants to have character? Who wants to give grace to people when you could just yell at them and get them to do what you want? You know, why well, love people? Because people suck. You know, and God's been changing and healing my heart to realize that giving grace and loving people is a much better alternative than being bitter and yelling at people. You know, but I had to stop denying my pain. I had to stop, you know, using the excuse that this is how I grew up. You know, I got yelled at and screamed at and thrown downstairs and hit with brooms and, and smashed in the head and called all sorts of names through my whole childhood. Now, I didn't wasn't a big fan of growing up that way. So why would I think that yelling at people and, and possibly hitting people is a, is a good alternative to help other people grow up? Jesus has this whole other plan. But if I resist the, the pain that's going on inside of me, I can't face it, and he can't lead me down this new path. Now, many of us have used denial for many years. And I actually believe that denial is a God thing. Because some of us went through traumas. You know, some of us went through traumas as little kids. You know, and that's a, 
the only way to heal from said trauma is to have maturity and spirituality and a level of understanding. And as a little kid, those things aren't present. So it's almost like you put it in, you know, I call it the denial closet, and you just kind of shut the door and la, 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 it's not there anymore. But most of us keep trying to stuff stuff in the closet. It's like, how much stuff can I get in here? And eventually the door kind of can't be shut anymore and it's kind of falling out everywhere and we keep trying to stuff people in, stuff stuff in there and our coping mechanisms aren't working and I'm still in pain and I'm not having fun anymore. And, and all of a sudden Jesus is like, oh, now's the time. Let's start to deal with this. You know, and we're like, no, 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 I can still cram some more stuff in there. You know, and we try to, to push it through for another couple of years and then we just get worn out. And eventually it's like, all right, I give up. He's like, good. Are you ready to surrender? Like, well, what does that really mean? Like, do I got to like surrender everything? And he's like, yeah, kind of. You know, and denial protected us. You know, we were able to deny feelings or deny, you know, past events. You know, we re- repressed, pushed down, you know, pain for a while. But now it's got to come out. You know, and last week I'm talking about, you know, Jesus knocking on certain doors. You know, he's trying to get into certain places because, you know, we're healthier than we were, right? But yet, he's like, there's still some more stuff in there that you need to let me have. And we're like, la, 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 I can't hear you. You know, and he's really trying to guide us to be more free. Free in our mind, free in our heart, free in our emotions, freed from the... the the stuff in our past that continues to drag us down or, you know, the bad coping mechanisms, unhealthy coping mechanisms, you know, and now he's trying to get us to see the truth that he is the way, the truth and the life, that he does have a path that when we do do things his ways, that we are his disciples and we start to recognize truth and that truth begins to set us free where we've tried to do it our own way. We've tried to deny it. We've tried to lie about it. We tried to suffocate it. We tried to, to push it down, we tried to deny it, and and yet we have had no freedom. But yet any area that we began to do it his way, haven't we all experienced freedom in those areas? And yet we still resist him in other areas. Why? I don't know. Other than I still try to get my own way. And I, I fail. You know, I have to allow truth to come in and begin to help me to to change, you know. But change is so difficult because we don't know what to expect. You know, I want all the blueprints, Jesus. If you give me all the blueprints and tell me the schematics and tell me how this is going to work, I'll let you know if I agree or not, and then we can begin to move forward. That's just not how he works. But, yeah, that's how we want him to work, isn't it? Isn't that how we want him to work? We want him to give us every little detail and then I'll decide if I think it's a good plan or not, and then I'll move forward. You know, and it just doesn't work. I think that we have to come to him and really, you know, let him know what's going on inside, you know, and really express what is really happening in our heart and our mind. You know, there's been many a times that I've just been so overwhelmed Instead of taking my anger out on someone, you know, I go outside, I go for a walk, I'll put, you know, 
music on and I'm just walking and I'm angry, pissed off. I'm yelling at God and eventually something begins to shift and the next thing you know, I'm repenting and I'm crying and I'm like, I'm sorry, Amy. I'll do it your way. You know, and I'm so grateful that I have taken those types of walks rather than staying in my anger, staying in my bitterness, allowing it to, to continue to build up. I think that it's important, you know, that we do that from time to time. Because so often we're good at giving the good Christian answer, right? You know, we're, you know, tell our brothers and sisters what we're supposed to be doing. But in reality, there's other stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not good at really letting people see. And I think that it's more important that Jesus knows already what's going on, that we're able to articulate that to the best of our ability to him. You know, in Job 7.11, it says, let me express my anguish. Let me be free to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. So what if when we're frustrated and angry, that we really just got alone in prayer and just screamed at the top of our lungs out of the bitterness and the anguish and let God know exactly how we think he's getting it wrong and then say, all right, now help me to change it. What if we were to really just be honest with what's going on inside? You know, there's times that I've told some of you to just start screaming, you know, start yelling because you have all this anger on the inside. You need to start letting some of it out. You know, and it seems so foolish, but yet it begins to help. You know, you know, some of us need to cry. Some of us are so afraid to let those tears start to flow because we're afraid where we might end up. And some of us just need to, like, cry it out, you know, and and let him in. You know, some of us have things that we're convicted on. You know, we feel guilty. You know, what's the purpose of guilt? You know, it's to correct us. You know, the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, you shouldn't go there. Hey, put that down. Hey, don't do that. Don't contact that person. Don't open that door. Don't look at that thing. Don't eat that thing. bologna sandwich it's okay no we need to start responding to the conviction because he's guiding us to new places you know what's the difference between conviction and condemnation condemnation is the work of the enemy it's shame you know you're horrible because you ate a bologna sandwich oh oh no i'm horrible i ate a bologna sandwich so i ate another one isn't that how it always works you know that the very thing that i feel horrible about doing i do it again and I do it again, and then I, you know, you're right, I'm horrible. Where conviction says, you know, I'm sinning in a certain area, and if I respond and repent and ask Jesus in for, you know, to guide me and give me strength, then, you know, he begins to lead me out of those things. You know, and Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation in Christ, because the blood of Jesus has washed that stain away. You know, you know Christ has perfect forgiveness. But we also have to turn from our sins. You know, I think about the adulterous woman that he, he brought them before the accusers. You know, and and as they all walked away because they all knew they had sinned, he told her, "Now go and sin no more." You know, I think that it's important that we come to terms with certain things and say, "All right, Jesus, I'm struggling in this area. I need your help." And this is where we also need to ask people into these equations for accountability and. and and strength, because if I do it my way, I'm not finding, 
you know, I'm getting any sort of breakthrough. You know, and, and when I don't get breakthrough, I get bitter. And when I get bitter, I get angry. And if I get angry for a long period of time, then I get resentments. You know, and some of us have resentments that date back to our early childhood. And we're still hanging on to this anger. You know, and one thing I've learned is that other person that I'm so angry at is not affected by my anger at all. They're going on and living their life. They are probably not thinking about me at all, and I'm just wishing horrible things upon their life. So really, all my anger, all my resentment does is mess with me. It doesn't affect them. So I am bitter, and it affects my life. It's not like my bitterness gets through this little tunnel spiritually and ends up in somebody else's life and creates havoc. And I'm like, yes, got them. No, my bitterness affects me. So when I forgive them, I'm not freeing them. I'm allowing Jesus to free me. And I want to be more free. I don't want to hang on to anger. I remember being enraged as a young man. Just bitter and angry and resentful and spiteful. I don't want to carry that. Not one second of that. And I give that stuff to Jesus to the best of my, of my ability. I'm tired of burying in that anger. I'm tired of burying it. And, and what comes back out is enraged and, and angry. And, you know, I'm, I have a short fuse. And I kick radiators. <clears throat> but that resentment, all that does is cause more anger, more frustration, you know, and then when it's not dealt with, what do I do? I get depressed. I want to sleep. I just want it to go away, but I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to forgive because they don't deserve to be forgiven. So I'm just going to make myself miserable, and I'm going to sleep. And when I wake up, I'm going to be miserable again. And then I'll do that again. Then I'll get angry again. Then I'll pretend it's not there again. And then I'll get depressed again. And I'll go to sleep again. And I wake up bitter again. And then I get angry again. Then I, you know, act out again. Then I, I, I feel like a fool again. So I'm going to go back and, and sleep again. I did that for years. Years that was my cycle. And it wasn't until Jesus that I was able to start letting things go and realize that this isn't the way I want to live anymore. And I kept repeatedly saying, Jesus, take this anger, take this anger, take this anger. You know, Jesus, you need to heal my mind. You've got to take this depression. Jesus, you've got to take this anxiety. I can't make it go away, but you can. You have to heal my mind. You have to heal my heart. And I got tired of, of living in those places. You know, but what I was really, what was really going on underneath the surface of all my anger was fear. You know, I was afraid. I've been hurt, I've been abandoned, I've been neglected, I've been betrayed, I've been cheated on, I've been lied to. You know, so i got to act tough. I'll act tough as I'm angry. And anger is really just a weakness. Because I'm, the real problem is fear, but I don't want to address that. I don't want to address the fear, because fear to me is a weakness. So I use anger to protect my fear. But then I act a fool, which is a weakness. So it's a misconception in my mind, and especially as a young man, I'm thinking that I'm tough. And in reality, is is I'm I'm broken. You know, I always used to push everybody away because you know people can hurt me. 
But what I began to realize is standing alone is really a weakness. That it's not until I come into community that I really begin to grow and get stronger. You know, and, and fear prevents me from being honest. You know, and, you know, there's lots of different scriptures in the Bible about fear, not to be afraid or to trust. You know, in Joshua 1, nine says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for I am the Lord and I am with you wherever you go. That's a pretty amazing thing for most of us that have felt alone for the majority of our life. And then we come into relationship with Jesus and he's literally, I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, many of you heard me say this before. This is an amazing promise if you're trying to do the right thing with Jesus. This is an awful thing if you're trying to get away from Jesus and try to sin. So it's like a blessing or a curse. Depends on what you're trying to do. Because anytime that we try to sin and we got a little bit of Jesus, it's not fun anymore. He like steals the fun. He's the reigner of all parades. The killer of fun, Jesus is. Oh wait, no, he's the dealer of sin. He deals with it. He doesn't want us to, to have pain. He doesn't want us to continue in certain cycles that cause destruction. He's trying to guide us on to righteousness. You know, and he isn't trying to steal our fun. He's trying to keep us from things that cause destruction and pain and pass on that pain to other people, you know, and continue to be hurt. But see, when I don't want to deal with any of this, right, I get into two different cycles. And both of them to me are these hamster wheels that I get on and I can run and 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 run. And there is no end. I can continue to blame everybody for my problems or I can get into pity and poor me. And I can blame and I can feel sorry for myself. I can blame, I can feel sorry for myself. I can blame, I can feel sorry for myself. And it's basically getting on a hamster wheel and just wasting a bunch of energy and I don't get anywhere. So either I can bring myself to Jesus and repent of my side and forgive of their side and realize that this is my story. No one's going to change it but me and Jesus. That it's not my fault that things happen the way they happen, but it is my responsibility to change it, to overcome it, to deal with it, to process it, to surrender it, fill in the blank. You know, in either one of those, if I'm blaming or if I'm in self-pity, I'm being lied to. I have dishonest thinking. I have lies that I'm believing a lie that if I blame this person enough or I feel sorry for myself enough, that somehow I'm going to pop out the other side and things are going to be better. That somehow God's going to feel sorry for me and give me what I want. So it's not ever going to happen. And what I've come to learn is I can stay in those places as long as I want. It's my choice. I'm the only one that can choose to get off the hamster wheel. No one can really drag me off it because I'll just jump back on it. And I have to realize that these are lies and I have to figure out what the truth is. And maybe I don't understand or know the truth about this lie. And I have to bring this lie to Jesus over and over and over again and say, what is the truth? What is the truth? What is the truth? What is the truth? And he's probably been telling us the whole time, I just don't want to accept it because I want to believe and feel the way I'm feeling and believe what I'm believing because why? It's got to be somebody else's fault. And why not feel sorry for myself? But the truth is, 
Jesus is the only one that can change that. And I got to surrender those things to him. You know, truth doesn't change our feelings, but he changes us. You know, and, and it's, it's important for us to understand that, you know, feelings aren't facts. I know everyone loves that. Our emotions lie. Praise God. I trust you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's our mission statement around here, you know, because I, I believe what I feel, you know, and then I allow my emotions to, to take me all sorts of places. And then I'm trusting those things rather than trusting truth or I'm trusting Jesus. And truth does not change, but our feelings begin to. You know, and I've come to realize that I would much rather have peace than blame or feel sorry for myself today. But when I'm doing that, it's hard for me to, you know, connect to people because I want to stay in my little bubble because somebody might bring in, you know, some sort of logical answer of why I shouldn't be in there. So I isolate myself so I can stay in my head. Because it's a wonderful place in there. And what really ends up happening is I get discouraged. I feel afraid, which brings on more bitterness or more anger, more blame, more pity. You know, and I get discouraged and I don't want to do the work or I, I give it a little bit of effort and nothing really pans out. So then I quit again. You know, and we got to come before Jesus over and over and over again. And asking him to give us the courage, give us the strength, tell us the truth, you know, heal our hearts, heal our minds, renew our minds, renew these pathways in our minds so that I don't fall into those places. Start arresting every thought, bring it back to the obedience of Christ, not go down certain pathways because I know where it's going to end up. I know if I think certain thoughts, I know exactly where I'm going to end up in a couple hours. And I have to realize that I don't want to go to that place. So I'm going to catch it as fast as I can and get back on the pathway with Christ, the, the, you know, and realize that, you know, anytime that I'm blaming, anytime I'm bitter, anytime I'm jealous, anytime that I'm angry, anytime that, you know, I'm feeling self-pity, I'm just wasting my day. And it's never going to change. I'm going to try to sleep it away or I'm going to get pissed off and break stuff. And next thing you know, I just have more stuff to be blaming and pitiful, pitiful about. And I gotta bring that stuff to Jesus over and over and over again and say, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. You know, Isaiah 40, 29 says Jesus gives us strength when we're weary. He increases the power of the weak. You know, but we gotta keep bringing it to Him. We have to step out of denial. We have to, to deal with our sides of these things, that we have faults, we have character defects, we have sin. And we gotta bring that stuff to Him to the best of our ability. And, and ask him to, to give us the strength and the courage to face certain things. Because it's not going to go away. You know, and the more that we're doing these things, you know, that we begin to realize that he's got a better path. You know, even though I try to, to, to convince him sometimes that I know what I'm doing, that he should just let this play out the way I think it should, I'm really grateful that he never does. I am grateful that he's God and I'm not. You know, and Lamentations 3.40 says, let us examine our ways and test them. I did not live a very righteous life for most of my life. 
you know, I destroyed everything I touched, you know, and some of you have been able to create a life and, and, you know, get educations, get jobs, have families, but something, something's in there, you know, and, and we have to bring that stuff back to Jesus and say, all right, what's going on? You know, I feel like something's missing. I feel like something's off. You know, and we we try to examine it to the best of our ability, and we lay that stuff out before him and say, fix it, Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, but yet we're, we're horrible backseat drivers. Go left, Jesus. Go left, Jesus. And, you know, you know, so I think that it's important that we... We come to terms with how much we try to run away or how much we're trying to escape the way we feel. You know, and, and for some of us, it's significantly less than it used to be. You know, but yet we got to lay this stuff back before him and say, all right, this is, this is where I'm at. Let's get honest. This is what's up. You know, and stop trying to deny it and stop trying to escape it. Try, using other things to cover it up and deal with the fact that I'm afraid that if I take the next step with him, that something's, you know, not going to happen the way I think it should. But once again, I'm horrible at making my own choices, you know, so I have to learn to trust him again and again and again, because how else do I get on his path? I can't get Jesus's will doing it my way. Like those things don't work. They contradict each other. You know, so, you know, I believe that each one of us, including myself, you know, has to re-examine certain areas and say, all right, Jesus, what needs to change? You know, and some of us have to get back on the path where we got off it many years ago. Some of us have to do the thing that he's been telling us to do for a while. Some of us need to stop doing the thing he's been saying stop do, you know, and say, all right, here we go. You know, and I think that each one of us is hearing him. It's just like we don't want to hear him. You know, I don't want to listen. I don't want to, you know, deny myself. I don't want to have to spend more time with you. But in reality, that's what we really want, isn't it? You know, so I think that each one of us has to spend a little time examining ourselves and coming before him and saying, Jesus, use my pain. I know there's more in there. I know there's stuff I got to deal with. I know there's stuff that I got to do, but I need your courage. I need your strength because I can't do it my own way. It's just not working. You just bow your head to me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I ask that you would come and meet us where we're at. Lord, I pray for supernatural breakthrough. I pray that there would be suddenlies in certain areas, Lord, that you would circumcise our heart or renew our minds or break things off. You know, that you would loose your peace, your love, your joy. Lord, that we would bind up areas of depression, areas of anxiety, that we bind up areas of lust and, you know, areas of self-pity and, and blaming, you know, areas of anger and bitterness, that we bind these areas of resentment up. Lord, we ask that you would move supernaturally in our circumstances. But Lord, I pray that you would give us the, the courage and the strength to, to stand before you and ask for you to, to teach us what the truth is and that we would begin to live by it, that we would be called your disciples and that we would know your truth and your truth would set us free. 
So, Lord, I pray that you would move in each one of our lives, Lord. Help us to stop making excuses. Help us to stop justifying areas that need to be repented of. Help us to, to step forward and, and, and live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.